welcome to episode 32 of the IntelliCast podcast brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. My name is Adam Jolly and joining me as always is Brian Lamar. Hello, Adam. So excited for today. Are you? Fourth quarter started, man. Oh, that's right. First day of fourth quarter. Yes, yeah, let's, let's do it. And then you're traveling for another month. And then I won't be back in the office till next first quarter. It's going to be great. As always, IntelliCast is brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You can reach out to IntelliCast at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. EMI on Twitter is EMI underscore research. IntelliCast on Twitter is IntelliCast1. My own personal Twitter is Adam Jolly, all one word. And Brian, what is your Bumble account? <laughs> no Twitter for me. I think this Twitter thing is going to die soon. Is it you know, gonna, <laughs> I've been thinking. Um, oh, so, so people have asked, like, there, there seems to be some kind of like hot topic question to ask. I feel like I've been asked like three times last month, like, what would be your thoughts if like Donald Trump Jr. started GOP social media or something, right? That was yeah. like, and we have said, and we've actually joked on the podcast, well, no, that's called Facebook, <laughs> right? Like, Facebook of that. But yeah. Twitter is like the antithesis of Facebook. Like, to me, when I'm on Facebook, Maybe it's just because, like, the world around me growing up in Kentucky, going to school in the South, having a lot of, like, Republican friends. This is definitely a red state for national elections. Ohio has been a red state in the, yeah. this whole region. So a lot of what I get is, like, conservative talk and stand for the anthem and stuff like that. But then on Twitter, like, a more national audience where I don't have, like, a lot of friends just, like, yeah. talking or sharing baby pics. Yeah. It is all more like liberal it's like a totally opposite feeling yeah that's interesting insight so like facebook you're only you're generally only seeing a feed from people that you have quote friended right twitter is a little more anonymous i think right yes so i think maybe people are a little braver on twitter to have some sort of outlandish comment because it's somewhat more anonymous we're in facebook i try to hide all those people on facebook Either direction. Yeah, I like, think I have. I have two people on my Facebook feed. Right, I'm down to two. Even my wife, she's blocked. <laughs> <laughs> like I just, I don't go on Facebook to try to get in a bad mood in right. either direction. I'm with you. I might read some news, but I'm not. I don't want to. I want to hear some rant about something. I'm with you. That's why I think Instagram has taken <laughs> off so well. Yeah. Is because it's just pictures. Yeah. And that's it. Like, very rarely are you still going to have a picture. Well, I guess Kanye kind of broke the mold this weekend. <laughs> yeah. But, like, we have a picture and then, like, a social message afterwards. Yeah. Like, getting rid of uh, the embellishment of slavery. Whatever. Let's move on. <laughs> MRX News. Uh, SurveyMonkey IPO raises $180 million already. Yeah. Brian, what type of implications does this have for the industry? Well, it's just a, it's a ton of money. And yeah. especially for a company that has never been a profit. No. So that's it's, it's just weird to me. What could we do? I know what, what we can make a profit. If we made a profit, I would assume we do. We're a privately held company. We we sure. don't have to announce that. Yeah, uh-huh. maybe we can IPO and make more than that. But you know the weird yeah, thing is they could have made a they were valued at a billion dollars or something like that, weren't they? Yeah, I think they got unicorn at one point. Yeah, yeah. so one hundred eighty million. They waited two years too late. I think. Um, I agree. So is this kind of like a lesson or like a barometer for Qualtrics or somebody? I would think so. Maybe a little bit, yeah. Don't wait too late. Or maybe it's okay to wait too late and you can still make a lot of money. Maybe so. Qualtrics has been rumored for how long? Two or three years, two or three to, years yeah. to do it. I think they still have their billion-dollar valuation. Um, it's just I'm glad to see the money. $180 million, that's a lot of money for a you know 
someone that was a joke not that long ago, but they have some good partnerships, I assume. They've done pretty well. I think it's pretty good. I think it's great for the industry to just get mentioned, get hired. You know, I know SurveyMonkey had – basically were running all the screens in Times Square this week. Oh, with, yeah. With SurveyMonkey things. They opened up the stock market. I think they rang the bell a couple weeks ago. Like, it's a big deal, and it's kind of cool that, like, oh, yeah, we're associated with it. It's just another thing, like – when I'm describing to my parents what we do, what I do for a living, yeah. it's another like uh, test point where I could be, you know, survey monkey. Yeah, let's let's hope that the so the, for the average person out there who doesn't know a whole lot about what we do. Yeah, survey monkey kind of brings it to the forefront a little bit, but then we have an election coming up where we're inevitably inevitably people are going to focus on polling, mm-hmm. and hopefully we don't you know crash and burn like we have in the last umpteen elections. Oh, never, never, never. Uh, more news. Um, let's jump to this one. We were just talking about Facebook. Uh, Facebook just had a hack um, over 5 million users, I think, something like that. Yeah. And they have a fine um, that they could face in Europe because of GDPR. This is really yeah. maybe one of the biggest or first fines, yeah. one of the first fines from GDPR, and it's uh, over $1.6 billion. Yeah. Um, what does this do for you? Like, So back in, you know, Beginning of this part of this year, going up to that May deadline, we were looking and contacting all of our partners. We were being contacted by clients, going through, jumping through all the hoops to make sure that we were at, in some way GDPR yeah. compliant. Um, does this kind of come down with like the fear of God or, or how does this make you feel? Well, this is top of mind for me because last week we had a marketing research special interest group around this topic. Yeah. And it was an awesome discussion. And I had someone there that didn't really work in marketing research, but understands GDPR really well and its implications. Mm-hmm. And he's scared the bejesus out of me. So I have a lot of notes. I need to talk to our marketing person <laughs> at some Can't point. Find Don't worry. <laughs> at some point this week, I need to talk to him. It's scary stuff. I know a few companies have been fined. Not much. Yeah. But Hopefully, they need to go after the Facebooks and the Googles of the world first. You go after the heavies, make an example of them so everybody else... Yeah, because if it's right. if they're finding some random company, yeah. no one's going to do anything. But if people... Like the headline, we read the headline, and now all of a sudden I'm like, huh, maybe we need to check our... Make sure we're compliant in all these various different ways. That's kind of what I think it is. I mean, $1.63 billion is not much for Facebook. No, but it's going it's going after somebody with a big crime, yeah. right? And yeah. So, it's like who <laughs> I just had a really bad analogy. I'm going to say it now because it's in my Might head. Might as well. <laughs> but it's like go the cops going after murderers, then going after like pot dealers. You know, <laughs> like yeah. going big time, go to the big score, make an yeah. example, look at the strength, not you know something that's just out there. It's scary. Like there were a lot of people there that had never heard of GDPR, and I guess if you're in a bigger company that you have like a legal team and a team that sure. handles it. Um, but if you're in sales, like this is what I learned the other day. If you're in sales, you got to be careful. Like, like we, we think that if we meet somebody at a conference, we'd exchange business cards, that we could just add them into our, yeah, send them messages. We really can't. You're not opted supposed them to do in. that unless you document how you met them and that they've opted in. And because that, right. if they come at you and audit you, you need to be able to say, I added this person on this date because I met them in this place and this time right. and they agreed to it. From a sales perspective, it's kind of scary. It's really hard. Um, and also it's not just European in Europe. It could be someone that's in like a European, like Katie from Cent was here last week, right? Sure. She's lived in the U.S. for quite a while, but she's an EU citizen. She falls under GDPR. So I got to be like, I feel now I feel like I have to be careful with what I say to her in an email. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I get fined. You know what? You know what I just thought about is um, I wonder how big of a deal a lot of this is for like database companies. So they're kind of like yeah. given the tools without 
like having the application. But if you're like a Salesforce company, yeah, like, is it kind of your public responsibility to set up tools to get people to not commit these type of actions? You, you know, think like HubSpot, think. and I think part I don't I think part up put that's a benefit that they offered is that they're helping you be GDPR compliant. That would be a um, a feature that would separate them, I would think, that you'd help you become cl- compliant. There's something there. I mean, even if you think about, I mean, the again, another bad analogy, but like thinking about like the cigarette industry went out and they put warnings on their labels like, hey, if you overuse this, if you misuse this yeah. recreationally, you will die. Yeah. Right. Or you see that on like food, like you go to fast food and there's all the cow, like we're going to give you all the warnings. We're going to help you manage this as much as possible. We want you to use our product. Right. We want you to use Salesforce, but know that you can get in a lot of trouble with something like this. Yeah. Are we coming there? Yeah. God, that's wild. Yeah. It's, it's a, and, and this hasn't even started in the U.S. We've seen a lot of companies using GDPR regulations in the U.S., but. Man, it's going to come. The, the guy from last week, his name is Mark. He said within the next 18 to 24 months, it'll start in the U.S. Um, which imagine the ramifications of that. They're just, I don't know, they're overwhelming. We'll have to hire somebody. Yeah. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'm ready to start the interview process. Um, last news story of the week comes to us from Critical Mix, who is a panel company, actually started as a program company. Uh, last year they made some, or earlier this year, they made some splash by purchasing UB Mobile. And they are now offering free mobile survey options. So they're allowing companies to post up to 10 questions among a repertoire sample of up to 200 U.S. adults, males, females, millennials, whatever, 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 to do on the mobile survey. And really the idea here, I would think, is to try to get the ability to like more mobile surveys out there. Yeah. Um, I have some very strong opinions about oh. this, but I would love to hear your opinions first. Well, I don't know if I have strong opinions on it. I think it's a good move for a critical mix because you know what? I forgot about that move. You know, we talked yeah. about it probably six months ago in the podcast. I forgot about it. And then I saw this. I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot that that's kind of cool. At least they're giving some awareness to people. So I, I didn't really look into it too deep uh, because I was going to do it myself. I'm always trying to do research on right. new offerings, but um, I guess it's a good move. I, I'm always trying to get shorter surveys and I'm a big fan of that. So what, what are your thoughts? You know why you forgot about it? <laughs> Because it's pointless. Because we've moved beyond the idea where you had to have mobile-based surveys. Or not mobile-based, but like mobile app-based, mobile-first type surveys. Yeah. We've moved beyond that. Like remember, uh, last, what was it? I think at two conferences last year, there was SampleCon, and then we talked about it again at IIEX. Yeah. Like can we just stop talking about mobile? Like we've gotten it to where we design surveys mobile-first one on our design. Yeah. We've gotten it to where you can have, you can take them on a desktop, you can take them via phone, whatever is easier. Like all these things. Like the phone has... What happened was the phone technology made us make these changes, right? Because I remember back in 2012, 2013, when like you had the M4s and those companies started popping up. Companies like Locately, yeah. like uh, those things were huge, and that's what like SMG made a big play for Locately. Because like, wow, this location-based technology is going to be huge. Well, yeah. then the phones caught up. Yeah. Like the phone, you started getting better signals. You started getting better, better GPS. The phones got better. And so you could then take just your normal survey, make sure it looked well on a mobile and have it. And so like I was puzzled when the UB mobile thing happened because I was like, man, we're still there. And then to offer this, it, it's, it seems like I've said that it seems like snake oil salesman to me. It seems like creating a fear. Yeah. To why, like, oh, mobile, you got to do mobile. I'm like, yeah, of course, I'm doing mobile. Yeah. You know, like if a client called me and was like, hey, are, are people taking my survey via mobile device? They're like, yeah, of course. I want you to yeah. have good research. Sure. Well, 
I agree unless, with you. Here's the thing, though. I know that I am probably, I'm, the people, there are people not, not in my atmosphere, people like my Facebook, yeah. right? Yeah. right? People that are not in like my immediate atmosphere that yes. do see this a problem, and it's definitely helping those people. So maybe I should scale back a little bit. The the I think that the use for this, they position it wrong, is why would you want to do a representative sample with a an app like that? Like that exactly. seems ridiculous, right? right. You should choose skew. Maybe they should do it like, hey, we're gonna we'll survey two hundred people that were at Kroger. Like do it location based where the advantages right. of the mobile technology and the app really come into play. Hey, do you have a brand that's in a supermarket? We'll get you two hundred top of mind people if they walk down that aisle or something like that. Sure. So make it location based maybe. Um, I don't think that market research has really leveraged all the abilities that we have. And maybe we have, and it's focused on M4 and field agent and a few yeah. companies that focus on it. But I don't hear a lot of, um, like advantages of like location based stuff. I think that there's so many things that you could do yeah, I agree. that I don't hear about. Uh, yeah, we've just been really slow to adopt. Remember, like QR codes were good for like, right. a couple months, and then like the receipt type thing, like you talk about, yeah. like feel like those things are are really starting to grow. Um, I don't know. I also see maybe if you went towards a skew, like I don't get the jump hop thing, but like I know that you know over eighty percent of eighteen to twenty four year old African Americans, their primary way of getting on the internet is through Safari on their iPhone. Yeah, right. And so if I could use an app to get surveys to something that is a very hard market to get online, very hard market to get on phone or any kind of like all intercept and I can reach those people via that, then that is solving a problem for yeah. me that is like universal and yes. like for the test of time. Like that is a true research based thing. But they're doing the gem pop. It just, then I'm just like, eh, okay, you're just trying yeah. to steer people. You're, you're not really cannibalizing yourself because even though like, you know what? 98% of their work is probably online. It just doesn't seem, it seems like a marketing ploy for sake of marketing play. But again, I can always be wrong. Can always be wrong. Hey, if you have a survey app that's successful, yeah, hey, where, where how can they reach us, Adam? <laughs> you can reach us at Intelecast at emi-rs.com. Tweet us emi underscore research or tweet me Adam Jolly, and I'll be happy to uh, send some Macho Man gifts your way. Uh, let's break it up a little bit. So, uh, some current events. Personally, how everything going with you? How was your weekend? Oh, I had a long weekend. I took a couple days off. I picked two great days, by the way, to take off. Yeah. I picked the day where Kavanaugh was, <laughs> the Kavanaugh hearing happened and Dr. Ford. And I was home all day. I watched every second of it. It was amazing. I love, I love politics when it's chaotic like that. And just, it's just amazing to me. And then the other day I got to watch the Ryder Cup. I picked two awesome days to be off work because there's two big events I got to watch. Um, this weekend, I went to the FC Cincinnati game with various views. They invited Yay. a bunch of people to the box, and there's a lot of other market researchers there. It was amazing. It was great weather. They won a title. There was a record crowd. Yeah. And then watched football yesterday. I had my, my dreams crushed. That was my weekend. Wait, the last game of the weekend, too. The Sunday night yeah, the game. Yeah, the Sunday night game. It's done. Ruins your weekend. Brian Lamar is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, so last yeah. night was kind of rough for you to get flaccoed. We got Flack. Flacco all of a sudden is a great player. Yeah, yeah, he's okay. If you don't pressure him, he's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, we couldn't, we couldn't get to him. But my Kentucky Wildcats are doing well in football. Unbelievable. 5-0. Yeah. Um, How about your weekend? It was good. You know, yeah, as mentioned, we were talking about uh, – I was texting with a buddy of mine. He was like, you watching this? And I was like, yeah, I'm watching it at work. I'm thinking about going out and putting it on one of the TVs. We have a lot of TVs. In oh, Robert Cups. He was like, I don't know if that's like – 
like the Kavanaugh. Oh, he was like, I don't know if that's suitable for work. And no. I was like, I don't know, man. We just we're publishing papers on legalizing weed, baby. We can do whatever <laughs> we want, right? We're progressive. Um, but it was, uh, it was, oh, that was so much. Speaking of Facebook, right? Days to stay off Facebook is the oh, Kavanaugh day, right? I had to embrace it, and I, I honestly planned my day around it. When I saw how it was going to go. I think she started testifying around 10 a.m. And like, this is going to be a complete, this is going to go through the evening. I cleared up my entire schedule Thursday and watched every second of it. I rewound a lot of it. It was, it was amazing TV, but I, part of me wishes I hadn't seen it. Sure. Cause yeah. you start hating, like thinking about like pretty deep stuff about, yeah. oh wow, democracy sometimes kind of sucks. Yes. Sometimes, but don't you dare! Don't 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 let me go, Kanye. On the don't turn don't turn code on me. Speaking of Saturday Night Live, I I really did love uh, the the opening skit. The Brett uh, oh, Matt Damon as Brett Kavanaugh, was and he had amazing. two days to do it. So good. Whether you are pro or anti Kavanaugh, Matt Damon, I'm run. Matt Damon did. I'm I'm pro Matt Damon. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yes. Um, I followed up with Saturday night. I watched um the Notre Dame Friday Night Irish defeat Stanford by 21 points. It was great. Watched it with my son. Uh, sat outside a fire with the TV on. It was great. And then uh yesterday, I watched my Cleveland Browns snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. It with a lot of help from referees. I'm not robbed. the referee guy. I'm not a blame, but we got robbed. Uh, and it was a really bad sports loss. I actually, when the game went into overtime, I left my house to go grocery shopping. I said, no matter what joy or defeat I'm about to feel, I don't want to feel it. And I took my boys and we went grocery shopping. Interesting. Yeah, that's where I am right now in my sports. I don't drink during games anymore. It's just lift me up or shut me down, one or the other. Yeah, it's, we've talked about this before about how you um, your whole mood can be – Oh, for sure. Like by 18 year old kids, in my case, for like college basketball. That's great. Can affect my entire existence. Yeah. That's kind of weird. You know what? This is a good segue. So we're talking about Mount Rushmore's. If we wanted to go through Mount Rushmore's of worst losses in sports oh, you've yeah. ever experienced, you don't have to have been there, but worst loss you've ever experienced, like the worst you have felt after a loss. Brian, you start. Oh, let's get depressed. Let's do it. All right. So I have, I have four. I could probably give a 20. Uh, first of all, I want to start with my Kentucky basketball, and this is a little bit like we've won titles in my lifetime, um, but I got a couple bad ones. They're not too hard to think of. The 92 Duke game, obviously. Christian Leitner hit the shot. They showed every march, made me relive it. Um, one of the worst losses of all time, but I think it's topped by the 2015 Wisconsin game. Oh, that's on mine. Is it on yours? Yeah. They were 38-0, the best team by far. Like, everybody in that team, including like their 11th man, made the NBA, and they lost to a Wisconsin team, which really wasn't that great. Nah, Frank Kaminsky, that's it. Right? Yeah, and um, just a bad... That's the why, that's why it hurts so bad, is that we could have gone 40-0. Uh, yep, it was on mine. That's on my bottom of my list. Uh, Kentucky, Wisconsin, yeah. 2015. It was my... Boy, two was three weeks old, two weeks old. Oh, he was yeah. born in the first week in the tournament. And, uh, it was my first time, like, away and seeing people. And my wife uh, was like, go with some friends to watch the game. And it was horrible. Oh, just yeah. horrible. It ruined, it honestly, probably ruined, I don't know, four months of my life. Yeah. Um, number two. Those were two there. Oh, yeah. The Duke and the <laughs> Duke. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go 2010 Super Bowl with the Steelers and the Packers. It was crushing to me. It was yeah. it's the only Super Bowl. Well, they lost the second one, didn't they? That's a Super Bowl that the Steelers lost. They should have won. I remember the Packers going to that game. They literally had like 17 people on the disabled list that yeah. couldn't play on the yeah. inactive list. They had like their sixth string running back and eighth string tight end. 
And I thought, there's no way. And this is kind of before Aaron Rodgers became sure. Aaron Rodgers. This might have been the game that Aaron Rodgers became him. And they just kicked our butts. Just right up and down the field. I had a friend over who destroyed a coffee table. It was a depressing had a Super Bowl party. It was depressing. So that's number third, number three, number four. And I was at a lot of these games of the 2012 Cincinnati Reds. Um, the Reds are perennially a very bad team, but in that 2010 to 2012 range, they were decent and they somehow never won a home game. We were up 2 0. I'm getting upset already. Yeah, they were up 2 0. They won two in San Francisco. They had three home games. All they had to do was win one of them. I went to all three games and lost all three of them. The last game, we had a pitcher that just got upset at some calls and decided to throw a fastball right down the middle and give up a grand slam. That was one of the worst. That was horrible. That was um, depressing, too, because we had a shot to win the World Series. I think the Giants won the World Series that year. I actually, uh, this is weird. I Googled Matt Latos this weekend. I did, too. Did you really? Why did you Google him? I had a specific reason. Something popped up where he got almost arrested or something like that. That's why I, I did it. Yeah. I looked and see if he was still married. I did too. Yeah, well, I have, look at us. I went to Dallas Latos's Twitter account and she which deactivated. It's off. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Man, what a wild world. Uh, all right. I'll go. Uh, so I already said Wisconsin, UK, 2015. Um, 1986 Browns Broncos. That was the fumble oh. game. I remember I was five. Uh, I remember my dad's reaction to not being very good. Um, and I probably remember his reactions worse than I do the fumble. Yeah. Um, 2012, Kentucky, West Virginia in the um, Elite Eight basketball. I was there in Syracuse. Uh, West, Fre- West Virginia didn't make a two-point basket in the first half. Right. Only threes and field goal and free throws. A team that couldn't hit a three-pointer hit almost every single three-pointer. Yeah. That was uh, DeMarcus Cousins, John Wall. It was yeah. horrible. And walking around Syracuse after the game was very depressing. That's never fun. And my number four, uh, Game 7, ALCS 2003. Um, that's the Aaron Boone home yeah. run off of Tim Wakefield. Um, Yankees beat Boston. That's Pretty a, rough. That was rough, but you, you won a title not that long after, right? The next year. Yeah. And I uh, the next year I was at a wedding for Game 3 of the ALCS watching it. I was in uh, middle of nowhere, West Virginia. Watching it where we lost nineteen to three, I think. Yeah, and then came back and won game four, five, six, seven, and then yeah. swept the World Series. So yeah, everything worked out well in the end. But man, after that game, oh, I couldn't good. imagine. Not good stuff. So one more Mount Rushmore, and we're gonna do this because Tiger Woods listed. He said the words Mount Rushmore last week. Yeah, and put himself on the best golfers of all time. Yeah. So we're gonna do a Mount Rushmore of golfers. Give me one. We'll rotate back and forth. Okay, I'm gonna give you Nicholas. That's the easy one. I'll go Nicholas two. Give me two. <laughs> Tiger's on it. Tiger's number two. Give me three. This is where it starts getting tough, I think. And I'm not a super huge golfer. I don't know if Arnold Palmer deserves on there. Does Arnold Palmer, Would you put Arnold Palmer on there? No. Not for anything but lemonade and tea. I'll go with Tom Watson as my number three. Tom Watson? Yeah. He, he won a couple British Opens. And some U.S. Yeah, Opens. A bunch of U.S. Um, stuff. I had a, my first set of golf clubs with the Tom Watson Rams. Oh. There you go. Number four for you. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know beyond that. I think the Mount Rushmore is two golfers. I think it's Nicholson Woods. <laughs> it kind of is. Uh, I was gonna say probably Ben Hogan. Yeah, Ben Hogan because he wrecked his car, broke his body, and then came back. Or uh, Sam Snead. He's yeah. had the most wins of all time. Like modern era. If you had to add one, I don't know who it would be. Modern era. Like in the last forty years. Who else would you add? Uh, okay. So you got Gary Player. Yeah, Gary Player. That's a good one. Sevi Ballesteros. Yeah, he's a good one. But Hale Irwin. 
Nick Faldo has like four or five majors. Right? Nick Faldo is a good one, but another uh, young people are the quite changed. there yet. Like it's so weird to look at golf from like '86 with Jack winning the Masters at 40 to '97 with Tiger coming onto the scene. Yeah, like that. Those those eleven years, like eleven years, might as well have been fifty years. Yeah, there's like nothing. I mean, that's like your Tom Kite, Greg Norman, Hill, yeah. Irwin, Ray Ray Floyd, others that like. Yeah, those are very forgettable names. Yeah, that was a and dark now, era for golf. But now it's like, I think, what do you think? Is it, Tiger gets a lot of the credit, but don't you think a lot of like more golf courses became more open? Like the idea of Caddyshack, where it was like this unbelievable country yeah. club where only the riches of rich got to even step foot on the course. Like that really yeah. died down. It died down a lot. Even the Masters gave in a little bit. Not all the way, but they gave in quite a bit. Sure. Um, I mean, all these courses had to like tiger proof them, if you remember. They, oh, had for to, sure. they had to go from they lengthened everything. Yeah, they had out. to go yeah. like eight hundred yards longer just to tiger proof it. Not just tiger proof it, but now everybody's hitting the ball that far. Um, I think yeah. it's it's we're on our way to getting more too. Like, and I don't think it has anything to do with Tiger Woods. I think like things like making it more accessible to play golf. I think like Top Golf being in basically every major city now, where you can go and basically bowling. Bolinized? Is that good? Yeah, yeah. I get it. You've bolinized golfing to where everyone can go and make and like make a game of it and play to play. Like it was a big deal when me and my friends got golf clubs when we were like thirteen. Yeah. Now I think it's just something you do. Yeah. Right. Um, watched the Ryder Cup. Every time I watched it, the U.S. was horrible, and I, I flipped it off. Like, yeah. How were I, they? They were getting destroyed by inferior players just over and over and over. I think a lot of it is like the la- It's it's not a skill competition so okay there's one thing to where here in the u.s basically if you're like ricky fowler yeah you're hardly ever leaving the continental united states to play golf you go to the british open but the rest of the time you're playing almost every week on some kind of tour event or something here in the u.s yeah or doing something fun so we're like if you're an ian poulter right maybe you only play 25 events here in the u.s you're playing a lot of things so everyone had played the course yeah already like everyone knew what was happening except for the americans except for the americans one person went to the paris open or whatever it was right so like thomas or spieth or something for the most part like you don't know the course and you're just not wired that way yeah right it's the same thing it's kind of the same thing that happened with like olympic basketball a few years ago it's like okay what am i yeah my country like no what am i doing for me or for the bucks or whatever yeah yeah whatever your your team is and now i don't it's got to be hard. You have to have people wired the same way. So maybe I would think like instead of doing a top ten, I would change the qualifications to get on the Ryder Cup. I would make it all captain choices. Hmm. Like instead I of running your way on instead of running your way on because yeah. there's no you. You can't tell me that Bubba Watson yeah. wanted to be there, yeah. deserved to be there at all. I mean, yeah. the guy who plays great at the beginning of the year is trash. It's a yeah. lot of golf talk. talk yeah. By the way, I've got more. Okay. I don't think it's a good competition because you've got an entire continent against the U.S., number one. You right. had somebody from Sweden, the U.K., and all over the U.K., right? What are we going to do? Ireland. Add North America? We add Canada and then Mexico. And take that, Europe. All right. There's something there. Yeah. Like, they've got Italy, France. I mean, how many different countries are represented by Europe? And I don't understand this whole rah, rah, rah. Like, they're going to cheer to, like, the EU flag? Is that what they're doing? Yeah, they have a flag that is for the GDPR. <laughs> yeah, like, I just they don't get it. a GDPR flag. There's a couple of decent Canadian golfers we could add. Bring them on. Take right. that. And we'll cheer to some sort of... I think you make it all subjective. These are our 10 guys. Or else you do it like regionally. Like We're going to take somebody who, from each region. So you own uh, a region type in, thing. Like the U.S.? Or two from, yeah, in the U.S. Yeah. You own two from each region. And then there's some kind of... You know validity there, but the way it is now, like I was like yesterday, I I had confidence in Justin Thomas, I had confidence in Finau, 
And that's it. Yeah. And they both won, right? And Patrick Reed. Yeah, Patrick Reed, you know, is going to like a mental thing yeah. with him. I don't. I, ugh, I well, don't so, well, it's the it's really the only time that golf ever acts like it's one of the other sports. Yeah, like people cheering, cheer and emotional and, and stuff. Yeah. So I think that people like Patrick Reed kind of embrace that. Others just not so much. I'm with you. Um, anything else going on in research or anything you want to talk about? I don't think so. It's a big week for conferences, though, right? Lord, it's a big week. Um, so um, that kind of brings us into our little bit of a wrap-up. So October 2nd through 5th is Brand Emodium here in Cincinnati. It says it's the largest brand conference. That's how they're promoting it. <laughs> Whatever. You also need mobile surveys. Um, it's here in Cincinnati. Adam Dietrich's going. That should be great. Yeah. Where is it at? CentOS Center? I don't know where it is. I don't think it's CentOS, though. I don't know where it is. Duke Energy Center. It's going to be great. It's in Cincinnati Tri-State area. Um, also, this week is New York Advertising Week. Apparently a big deal. It looks like a huge deal. There's 15 different stages with all these people going. Last minute edition, yours truly, Adam Jolly. Oh, you're going to New York. Going to New York. Well, I, uh, are yeah. there any really celebrities going? Like, would Taylor Swift go? No. Oh, today is Celebrity Day. Uh, so I'm missing Celebrity Day. So today, like, I think uh, Emma Stone is on a panel. Oh, my gosh. Uh, somebody else. Colin Jost is like yeah. the event, like entertainment he's one funny. night. Um, yeah, he's funny. Sure. And so that lasts uh, October 1st through 4th. I will be there. Sarah Guest will be there. I think she's leaving right now. Um, and then CRC, October 8th through 10th uh, in Orlando, Tony Brown. I love CRC. Everyone always yeah. tells, tells me like how great of a time they have at CRC. I've never been. I haven't been in a long time. Back probably back when it was called the Fall Conference. Yeah, Fall Conference. Yeah, it's been a long time. Um, that does it for this episode, episode thirty-two. Shaq, we did it. We did it. Join us next week. Uh, we'll have more guests. I think we do have some guests coming on next week. We're trying to line some people up for oh, next we have week. Big guests coming. We're not going to mention their names, but big guests are coming. I'm excited. I can't believe. Why would they do our podcast? This is so weird. Well, we man. have six or seven hundred listeners. Exactly. Join us next week at IntelliCast. And until then, you can reach us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. EMI underscore research on Twitter. IntelliCast1 on Twitter. I'm on personal Twitter, Adam Jolly, all one word. Thanks so much, Brian. Hey, thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.